coming up on the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. Um, just the higher the percentage of protein in your diet, the more it smashes your satiety. And that just means you can eat less calories without being consumed by thinking about food all the time. So um, and we can all count calories for a few days, but before long, we just go insane and the appetite wins out. So that, that's been my experience. And, and it's like, well, how do we optimize our diet to, uh, to, to control the food choices, to control our appetite better? So, yeah, definitely a high percentage of protein helps to control the appetite. Hello, and welcome to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I'm Brian Grin, and I'm here to give you actionable tips to get your body back to what it once was 5, 10, even 15 years ago. Each week, I'll give you an in-depth interview with a health expert from around the world to cut through the fluff and get you long-term sustainable results. This week, I interviewed Marty Kendall. He's the owner of OptimizingNutrition.com, the author of Big Fat Keto Lives and Data-Driven Fasting. We discuss what is wrong with keto, how too much fat can be bad, data-driven fasting, and much, much more. I really enjoyed this interview with Marty, and I know you will too. Thanks so much for listening, and enjoy the interview. All right, Brian Grin here with the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast, and my guest today is Marty Kendall. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks, Brian. Great to have a chat. Yeah, all the way in Brisbane, Australia. Wait, yeah. So you're a day ahead of us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're way ahead of you guys. Yeah, and much nicer weather than Chicago. <laughs> I know that. Yeah, it's getting warm, hey. You guys are well, probably freezing over there anyway. Yeah, no, it, it's starting to get cold. It's starting to get cold. Um, but Marty is a civil engineer by day, right? Indeed. And uh, the owner of OptimizingNutrition.com yep. and also the author of Big Fat Keto Lies. So we got a lot to touch on today. I've actually been a fan of Marty's for a while. I go on, honestly, I use your website a lot as a reference. (laughs) Ton of great content. I mean, literally, uh, his blog is great. So that's optimizingnutrition.com. And, um, you know, before we get into nutrient density and and your your fasting challenge, what sort of uh, led you down this path of, you know, optimizing nutrition and... um, and yeah, I was just curious how you got to that point. Yeah, yeah. Um, wife is type 1 diabetic. So um, I suppose 16 years ago, whatever, when we started to think about having kids, I went, hey, uh, what's this diabetes thing? We started to try and understand how nutrition and diabetes and everything interacted, just try to manage that, that risk. And luckily, we've got um, two healthy, vibrant teenagers who grow and eat a lot and uh yeah so uh that 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 went okay but i suppose maybe five or six years ago stumbled across um you know rob wolf who's who's an amazing guy great influence and jimmy moore and jason fung and got into the the low carb scene and there's a big low carb down under movement over there over here and then mm-hmm. type one grit which is an amazing group for people with type one um managing uh, their diet with with uh, for, for type one diabetes, and that really radically improved and changed our lives and, and Micah's health and vibrance and weight and everything and insulin and blood sugar levels, and that was amazing. I suppose I just continued to say, well, how can I apply my engineering? Like by day, I'm going well, analyze bridges and structures and roads and bike paths and multi criteria analysis to say should we put a motorway here or here, and should we invest over here so that sort of approach 
to optimization for nutrition sort of came intuitively for me. And I thought nobody else is doing this. So I'll just keep on crunching the numbers and uh, trying to create a system, system, systematized approach to nutrition. So, and um, yeah, as I shared it, it just uh, snowballed. So I've had a whole lot of fun and lots of good responses. So keep on doing it. Yeah. I mean, I was pulled, you know, I was sort of grabbed by your site um, just because when you hear optimizing nutrition, and you're someone like myself who's been in health and wellness for so long. I think one of the things is, is a lot of times people put a blanket, um, yeah. you know, like it's almost like a blanket view on what, you know, you got to be keto or you got to be carnivore, yeah, 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 yeah. you know, or you got your, maybe you're vegetarian or like, I like the fact that you sort of take each individual, find out, well, you know, what are they deficient in and yeah. how can they really get the most out of their nutrition um, based on their bodies and, mm. you know, the way they are. Yeah. How does um, how does it work with your site as far as optimizing um, based on the individual? Do they take a um, you know to take a blood test or how does that work? Yeah, you can look at the blood test, but I suppose um, we try to optimize. Like you said, there's so many different named diets of keto and low carb and carnivore and plant based and mm-hmm. vegetarian, vegan, and each of those have got their um, challenges and um, implicit deficiencies that are harder to get, like some nutrients are harder to get on carnivore and some nutrients are harder to get for people on a plant-based diet. So um, we've sort of developed a bunch of food lists and, and recipes that if you're not tracking, if you don't have any data, you can say, well, these are the foods and meals within that uh, pr- those parameters that will optimise your nutrient density within those rails that you've chosen to, to put on yourself. But um, mm-hmm. I suppose my, my approach is that, you know, your diet doesn't need a name or a belief system. It just needs enough nutrients. So um, right. if you are willing to track your food in chronometer or you have blood tests, you can then go, okay, which nutrients am I not getting enough of and which foods and meals will provide more of those. And you sort of work from a bottom up approach with nutrient density to, to just transition and, and add more of those foods and meals that will give you those nutrients. And they, they're unique to, to all different people, depending on what they're eating. You know, you may have a, a blanket umbrella term that you use to define your diet, but everybody's incredibly unique. So if you're willing to track, we can, we've got the nutrient optimizer, which basically recommends different foods and meals that will optimize your nutrition for your current diet and your goals, whether you're looking to be an athlete and you need a whole lot of energy or whether you're trying to lose fat or manage your diabetes or whatever your goals are. Yeah. I noticed that on the site, like whether you're a bodybuilder or you're looking to lose fat, uh, you sort of, or, or, and then, and then, you know, your goals along with also like, is, are you looking at for keto or uh, Mm. carnivore or things like that? I mean, personally, I used to be like a pescatarian, per se. And, um, ever, uh, probably over the last, you know, five, six months, I got a little more into, you know, cause I started learning a little bit more about, well, what am I going to get my best bang for my buck as mm. far as nutrient density is mm. concerned? And I'm a, I'm pretty active. So I, I, I needed yep. to up the protein. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, you know, I know we're going to talk a lot about protein and yep. so I, I started doing a lot of grass fed, grass finished, yep. you know, good high quality protein yeah, and yeah. making that a staple of my meals. Um, yeah, definitely. Is that, I know, um, I had Dr. Ted Naiman on, um, a few episodes before and he mentioned, you know, protein is the staple. 
And uh, would, are you along those same lines? Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose from a, talking about pescatarian, it, it can actually be like if you're going to have a named diet that you're going to fit into, mm-hmm. um, it can be incredibly nutrient dense because, you know, fish, veggies, it, it's hard to go wrong. And if you define your diet around uh, around that, you're probably going to do really, really well as long as, like, I suppose the, the whole plant-based label just is so wide. There's whole food plant-based people who are eating incredibly nutrient dense if they're excluding all the, the vegetable oils and, and, and seed oils and mm-hmm. refined grains and sugars. But, you know, that plant-based could be the worst of the f- available food with, um, you know, ref- refined oils and seed uh, and the grains and sugars all combined together with flavors and coloring. So, um, you know, that that's such a wide uh, definition, but um Seafood is incredibly nutrient dense. A lot of the vitamins and minerals, omega three, that uh, in actual fact that beef is often harder to get. But most people, um, just because seafood is, a, is an acquired taste for some people, and it tends to be more expensive. Not everybody just lives on salmon. I'd, I'd, if I could live on salmon and broccoli all day, that'd be great. But um, most people can't afford to do that. So beef is definitely a, an excellent bioavailable source of protein. Um, while still being more cost effective, so that the, the the combination of the two is a really good balance, along with um, some veggies, non-starchy veggies to to boost your nutrient dense. Uh, yeah, that those minerals that are, tend to be harder to find just on beef. Yeah, and um, what um, I'm I'm just curious as far as protein. Um, yep. and you, I know you wrote some articles regarding like amino acids. Yep. Um, what is, what are your thoughts around, like, what are the, what are the best foods to get your, you, you know, those amino acids, um, that are, yeah, I mean, any, any protein source, definitely, um, uh, plant-based proteins can be less bioavailable. So if you did constrain yourself to a, a plant-based approach, it can't, you have to look at the, the soy protein and those sort of things, which can still be bioavailable. If you've got a vegetarian approach, then your eggs and dairy are, are highly bioavailable. But I think, you know, so, so many people are thriving on a carnivore approach because they're just, you know, prioritizing bioavailable protein and it, it just smashes their satiety. And, and in line with Ted's work, all our analysis of um, both a, a massive data set of half a million days of my fitness pal data and 90,000 days of people using Nutrient Optimizer, um, just the higher the percentage of protein in your diet, the more it smashes your satiety. And that just means you can eat less calories without being consumed by thinking about food all the time. So um, and we can all count calories for a few days, but before long, we just go insane and the appetite wins out. So that, that's been my experience. And, and it's like, well, how do we optimize our diet to, uh, to to control the food choices to control our appetite better so yeah definitely a high percentage of protein helps to control the appetite but then if you're really active you maybe want to you know get it get fatty cuts of meat that'll get you more energy but um yeah they, even the carnivore community is still struggling to understand you know how to dial in their fat from one extreme to the other but um yeah yeah and um what what is your thought on fat? I know um, you know I, I try to add it into my diet on a daily yep. basis, either cooking yep. with maybe butter or ghee, yep. Um, yep. and uh, occasional I'll have like avocado. Yep, um, I'm a big fan. Um, and then if I'm going to do like a steak or something, maybe like something with a little fattier cut, maybe like a ribeye. Yeah. Um, 
I mean, fad is key for satiety, right? Yeah, to 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 a degree. Um, okay. I, I mean, the the fat that comes with protein is is um often an excellent fuel, and uh, for someone like yourself who's lean and active and and wanting to get more energy, and then fat's an excellent source of fuel, and you really want to be at rest. You want to be burning fat most of the time. You don't want to be dipping into carbohydrate stores all the time because you're you're not getting enough. Um, you, you, basically, from a personal fat threshold point of view, if if I'm not sure if Ted talked about this, but um, you, you, your body fat stores are sort of building up and once they become full, they sort of overflow and you get um, carbohydrates sort of a, a first in line to be burned. So if you're burning carbohydrates, it, it means all your your body fat stores are full and overflowing. So you really want to have uh, not an overflow of carbohydrate. And uh, a lot of people get a lot of satiety once they go for those bioavailable proteins with plenty of, of fat that comes along. Um, but that's where you need to find the balance of, you know, if you overdo the fat, then, uh, yeah. And that's where I went wrong. A lot of the time you think, oh, I've got to get high ketones and mm-hmm. ketones, are everything. And you go off that slippery slope and, you know, fat isn't actually per calorie as satiating as, uh, as protein and, and, uh, yeah, it tends to not be particularly nutrient dense. So you need to find that balance and that sweet spot for your goals and where you are and not just follow everybody else on Instagram and Facebook that had magic results with this keto diet, whatever that means. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious about your book, big fat keto lies. What, yeah. what, what, what would you say? Um, I don't know. It's like the cliff notes of that book. <laughs> uh, is it because um, keto's gotten so hot and you, know, yeah. you see people, it's like all they do is have fat all day. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm assuming you talk about that in your book. Yeah. Um, yeah, I suppose uh, Marty's mistakes in, in low-carb and keto world and things that I found to be really useful, but things that I found when taken to extreme um, aren't useful. So, um, you know, a, a fear, like a lot of people end up fearing protein in pursuit of ketones and um, pursuing ketones as the end goal. And you can get ketones in your blood by, you know, drinking butter and olive oil and, and MCT oil and coconut oil. And we all did that five years ago when it was the, the craze and you're, you're chasing these high ketone values. And that, that's, you know, these people on Facebook have got these high ketone values. So I need high ketone values like them. And there's this optimal ketone value zone, this opt- optimal ketosis that you need higher and higher ketones. But the reality is that after more and more people have been, following a ketogenic diet, they've found that, you know, as your metabolic health improves, your, uh, you know, those ketone levels come down. And if you continue to chase high ketones, then you're just adding more and more fat when you're trying to use your body fat. Ideally, most, most of us are trying to not be obese. And that's, you know, a challenge in our modern environment. So to just keep on adding more and more fat doesn't tend to lead to long-term optimal body composition so yeah and yeah so i've I've sort of broken down 12 different common myths and sort of shown hey this is how optimizing nutrition can address those and and progress us forward and you know i've got a lot of love for for my friends in in keto world but um i also think there's a lot to be learned to continue to move down the path and yeah ketones aren't the the end goal um that a lot of us have painted them to be they they're a good thing if that's because you're eating a high satiety diet that is leading to, to fat loss from your body. That's a great thing. And it drives autophagy and, 
and uh, you know all these amazing benefits. But if you're just jamming in a whole lot of exogenous ketone and exogenous fat, then right. it's probably going to drive poor metabolic health. Yeah, uh, and you know we talk about nutrient density and the importance of it. I yeah. know you're a big fan of fasting, and I am as well. You yeah. have um, <laughs> you have your data driven fasting challenge. I have a 21 yeah. day I have a 21 day <laughs> fasting challenge. So that, that also drew me to all you know your work. Um, yeah. Why don't talk. I'm curious about the challenge. I'd love to hear more about it. Data driven yeah. fasting, yes. and um, you know I'm sure you know like anything. If you're going to get into fasting, eating right and eating nutrient dense foods can make yeah. fasting a lot easier. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. And we, we try to balance the, you know, feasting and fasting. And, and when you eat, it helps a lot. You know, same sort of philosophy that when you eat, if you prioritize high satiety, nutrient dense food, you're going to be less, um, less hungry and less likely to binge and, and less more likely to have better body composition outcomes and feel more energetic. And I suppose, Myself, you know, I've tried the seven-day fasts and extended fasts and um, I just found I wasn't losing weight over the long term. And you see a lot of people who, like in a group, we've got a survey and they say, what are the most common challenges with fasting? And the number one by a long way is just people tend to keep losing and gaining the same weight over and over again with these massive long Herculean fasts and find that they're just binging on the energy dense nutrient poor foods at the end because they feel they've earned it and their lizard brains just triggered and going nuts. So, um, yeah, the data driven fasting approach is because coming from my wife being type one diabetic and I'm watching her blood sugars all the time and the CGM and it's really fascinating. It sort of makes sense that, you know, when, when she's looking at those blood sugars live, she's very conscious of her, um, food intake because you can see really what goes up. Uh, what what drives it up and she tries to manage that and and she tries to sort of wait until it comes back down before you load in more energy and it, it, basically your, your blood sugars are an instantaneous fuel gauge for your body and we can hack it by sort of eating high fat foods and avoiding protein to avoid that spike after but that often doesn't lead to satiety or better bo body composition or nutrient density so really the number one thing that aligns with um fat loss is just, you know, waiting long enough before your blood sugars drop again, before you eat again. So that's sort of what data-driven fasting is all about, of, of finding the point at which you feel you're hungry and want to eat. Uh, what are your blood sugars? And, and you sort of learn to correlate your blood sugars with your sensation of hunger and you sort of become more mindful of your hunger and go, well, you know, maybe I'm not really hungry because I just ate whatever. My blood sugars are still high. So, you know, maybe, maybe I just want that uh, yummy thing leftovers in the fridge and I'm not really hungry. So there's so many reasons why we eat and having a, a data quantification enables us to differentiate between true hunger and, uh, you know, when we're just eating for a million other reasons that we eat. So, yeah, the data-driven fasting challenge, you, you find your baseline over three days and then basically go well i feel hungry i'll test my blood sugars is it below that baseline and then we sort of dial down that target that personalized hunger trigger um during the, the following three weeks three or four weeks and as you chase the lower pre-meal blood sugar uh, everything else sort of follows with lower blood sugars waking blood sugars body fat waste everything else so it seems to be 
a, an incredibly effective approach to um, to dialing in that uh, fasting routine without going days and having to go days and days. You find that sort of I think sweet spot where you've found the one or two meals a day really helps, and having a, a finite eating window, you, you quickly eliminate snacks and move into um, a more sustained approach that will lead to um, fat loss and your long-term goals. Yeah, no, that's an interesting approach to, uh, and a way to get into fasting and sort mm. of to align your, uh, your sort of your hunger cues with where, where's my blood sugar at? Mm. Um, mm. Uh, because like you said, you, you might think you're hungry, but you're really not hungry. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you're, yeah. you're yeah. used to eating at a certain time, but, Definitely. but, but with your, challenge and i, I actually uh, I, I stopped using it but for two weeks i did have a cgm yep. i used one I, I kept hearing about it hearing about it. i'm like okay i'm getting one of these <laughs> i just want to give it a go a continuous glucose monitor and i will say it was it was handy it, it gave me a good idea of how how foods affected my blood sugar mm. um and also the time of day and how mm. it affected me as well noticing that i'm not a late night eater but when i got past a certain time um, I made sure that I didn't have anything because, you know, insulin spikes happened, um, I shouldn't say more rapidly, but a greater, greater response yeah. towards the evening as it did if I yeah. had that same thing in the middle of the day. Yeah, yeah, definitely. We see that a lot. You, you're more um, primed to, to store your food at night and, and your, your blood sugars tend to go a lot higher. So a lot of people go, yeah, maybe I shouldn't be eating so late i'll move my you know higher protein high satiety high nutrient density foods earlier in the day and then they're not as hungry at night so it just sort of helps you t- tweak it in yeah i see a lot of people jumping on the the cgm bandwagon though and uh you know it, it can be very confusing and i spend a lot of my time watching my wife's cgm and trying to tie in we've got this closed loop insulin system with um with an app that was set up with a bunch of people who have been really proactive and don't want to wait until it's a commercial system and it does your head in it really it's really complex and full-on to try and understand what's happening with your blood sugars all the time but just a simple glucose meter before you eat is a whole lot more i think effective and less confusing it just validates your hunger rather than trying to yeah, and then then they use the the wrong ways to hack it by you know avoiding protein or more fat or or combining fat and carbs together, which is the um, you know the ultimate way to drive your hunger to eat more, although it may stabilize your blood sugars a little bit. So yeah, it's, it's, yeah, I'm, I'm not not sure about everybody jumping on board the CGM. Yeah, no, I, wagon. I I sort of agree. I used it for two weeks and. I agree. It can sort of drive you a little crazy. Yeah. I don't know. I, cause like, you're always like taking a look at it. And I, for me, and I'm sure you see this, like it more or less, like you want to just sort of be in tune with how you're feeling. Like yeah. I can tell how foods affect me. I mean, yeah. not everyone can be, you know, not everyone is like that. I think it takes mm. time to get to that point, but I can tell like in the middle of the day, I used to have like this big salad mm. um, with, just like a, a, um, a really good, uh, veggie burger. Mm, that was like, mm, not, mm. not, not, not with the vegetable oils and the, you know, the seed oils and things like yep, that. Yep, good yep. quality one. But yeah. I did notice that cause it was fairly carb heavy, even though they're not like refined carbs, yep. I did feel a bit of a crash yeah. and I didn't really like that feeling in the middle of the day. Yep. 
So I, you know, that was just me. That wasn't some CGM telling me that. Mm. So I think if you just try to get in tune, I think fasting helps you get in tune with those hunger yeah. cues yeah, definitely. and how definitely. you're feeling after you have a certain meal. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, so I the, just, the, the, yeah. yeah uh, I would the challenge I was just to find, Oh, yeah. sorry. Go, you go. <laughs> I was just going to say, I, I changed. I'm sorry. No, no. Yeah. You're the guest, but I was just going to, I, I changed. I just tweaked what I ate in the middle of the day, got a little bit away from the, the carb side of things and yep. more so let's just say eggs and mm. eggs and, uh, locks and cream, mm. you know, uh, mm. me, cottage cheese, you know, so mm. a little bit more protein fat. Yep. Yep. Maybe push my carbs towards the end of the day when I, don't need to be productive. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, front loading, we've done a bunch of analysis on when uh, satiety versus when people eat and what people eat. And definitely people who eat earlier in the day, I mean, it's not, you don't have to eat. I don't think you want to wake up and start eating, but that first meal, if you try to prioritize more calories and more protein, mm -hmm. if you load your protein earlier in the day, instead of think as, you know, carbs and fat and the energy that you need at the end of the day, if you need to top up, but, you know, definitely prioritizing the, the higher nutrient density, higher protein early in the day. It's definitely a great hack for satiety. And like you say, not being on the blood, blood sugar roller coaster all day. Right. Yeah, definitely good play. What are your thoughts around eating regarding working out and things like that? Um, I mean, yep. I, yeah, I, well, I was just say, I, I tend to work out in a fasted state for, mm. and I'll do it towards the middle end of my day. And then yep. I'll break my fast maybe 30 minutes after my workout. It's yep. almost like a reward. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And you're definitely depleted and, um, and you would need to refuel and refill that, those, uh, that energy stores. And if you, if you, if you work out and go too long and try to push it, then I think a lot of people find they end up binging and eating more than they would otherwise want to. They get really hungry after they, a long time after they work out. So definitely, um, loading your energy around those workouts is a smart thing basically eat when you're hungry but if definitely around the workout when you need to refuel um i don't get into you, know, you need to eat this time and this time and this time and i think you know you get i think there's a really tight anabolic window that you need to get your protein in but uh, definitely right if you're getting enough protein across the day then that's great for 99% of the people, if you're an elite bodybuilder taking a whole lot of steroids and performance enhancing drugs, then maybe there's some fine tuning to be done there, but not for most of us. Yeah. And what are your thoughts on like the different types of protein and, you know, are the, are all proteins created equal? Um, yeah. you know, I saw you wrote a little bit about that. Um, I had a guest on, um, uh, the inventor of, of X3, I haven't, okay. it hasn't been published yet, but he came out with a protein yep. called Fortigen, which is okay. like a fermented um, oh. protein. He was saying how it was so much more bioavailable than like a whey protein yeah, or things like that. Yeah. What are your thoughts around the different wow. proteins? Yeah, yeah whey, whey protein is right up there in terms of bioavailability. But um, yeah, there's definitely challenges when it comes to bioavailability of, of a lot of plant-based proteins. There's the protein digestibility amino acid score. And um, if, if you're not getting animal proteins, dairy proteins, then you definitely have to watch that they're bioavailable. But at the same time, if you're getting your, your protein from a banana, 
you're going to need to eat a lot of banana to get that protein each day. So you just end up eating a massive amount of calories. So the, not just is the protein less bioavailable, but the amount of energy you have to consume to get that protein that you need is also a challenge. So, you know, if you compare, you know, whey protein, cod, uh, you know, egg whites and those sorts of things are incredibly bioavailable and protein dense in terms of protein percentage. So you really need to um, focus on getting enough of those in every meal um, and not to, to, to manage your overall hunger over the day. Otherwise you'd be seeking out those foods and, and Ted's a big proponent of the protein leverage hypothesis that we keep on eating calories to get the, the, the protein we need and nutrients we need, particularly we've seen that in our analysis as protein is definitely the most dominant um, nutrient we seek, but all the other, particularly the, the uh, minerals we, we seek and crave those as well. So if you focus on protein and nutrient density, then you're going to quell, quell your appetite and uh, quench your appetite. So you're not going to be eating as many, as many uh, uh, calories to get what you need. And, you know, most people don't, binge on the, the lean proteins it's the donuts and you know those hyper palatable low protein carb plus fat foods that are refined yeah definitely yeah those are the foods that people t typically binge on right you can't yeah. really binge on broccoli it's tough <laughs> <laughs> or cod or you know salmon's pretty good but yeah. yeah yeah um i was just going to ask um wh what have you found through your research as the most nutrient dense foods I know you mentioned uh, um, obviously fish, but like, you know, yep. name, name a few in particular that if people are trying to sort of optimize um, their eating window. Yeah, we, we typically look at things in terms of nutrients per calorie. So the, the most nutrient dense things are the, the, the broccoli, asparagus, watercress, but in reality, it's really difficult to get a lot of calories worth of those in. So um, if you want to prioritize as much spinach and green leafy vegetables as you can, that's a great thing, but there's a, there's a limit. And then the next step down from that is typically your, your lobster and your, your calamari and, and the, the, those lean fish, cod, those sorts of lean seafood proteins. And then stepping down from that is, is your meats, um, your leaner meats are, are nutrient dense. Uh, yeah. So I know you, what are your thoughts around like the carnivore diet? I mean, um, you talk about broccoli and spinach. I mean, yep. I know, you know, Dr. Paul Saladino, <laughs> <laughs> I know you know him. I think you might've even done like a nutrient dent test on him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about that? You know, just with the oxalates and and you know things like that. Yeah, that are, those in the vegetables. Like it's it's interesting. He's um he's coming out and saying he eats you know hundred grams of rice carbs from rice a day now and honey because he's finding his workouts. He needs some carbs to fuel his workouts and the uh, the glucose is you can get enough glucose from the protein you eat in a carnivore diet, but it's really hard. Your body has to work really hard. So if you're really active, it can be harder to, to do without that. Um, but yeah, there's definitely a, a limited nutrient profile of meat alone and that adding some veggies in can really help balance that. And we tend to find most people get the best results when they're balanced between you know, animal and, and, and seafood and plant-based foods. And, uh, Right. When they focus on nutrient density, most of the calories come from 
the animal and seafood, but from a volume point of view, it looks like a hell of a lot of veggies. So um, yeah, I don't, I don't really care where you are on that spectrum, but most people tend to do better when they're somewhere in the middle of, of those two extremes. But if you, you know, eat a hundred grams of, of spinach and you need to go to the toilet for a long time and you go, well, that didn't really work for me. I'll take it a bit easier next time. There's no point in driving yourself to, to eat foods that you don't feel good when you eat them. You want to, you know, your, your, your gut symptoms are a good thing. And, um, I was talking the other day about, you know, from a carnivore perspective, my wife, Moni, I sort of said, you know, just have steak during the day, get as many steaks as you can and her blood sugars are incredible. And we nutrient dense, you know, family dinners with veggies at, at, at night. And um, yeah, it can be a great hack, especially for someone with autoimmune and, and gut issues and to eliminate everything. But then you don't want to eliminate everything forever because then if you get a whiff of flour or happen to you know, accidentally swallow a bit of broccoli, then you'll be, you know, Flame. your symptoms will be so much worse because your gut hasn't seen that. You don't want to become that incredibly fragile. So I think if, if carnival works from a elimination diet for a while, then maybe try some nutrient dense foods, you know, definitely don't go for the, the donuts and everything else that comes in a packet that is the combination of seed oils and, and starches with colors and flavors. That's definitely off the table forever if you care about your health. But uh, right. yeah, if, if you focus on bringing back in nutrient dense foods, adding that to a carnival, you're going to end up in a pretty good place potentially. Yeah. Yeah. Cause you see a lot of these extremes and, and just listen to you. It, there's no need to really, unless you have like an autoimmune, uh, disease yeah. or some type of, um, yeah, like, um, I know he had like eczema or things like yeah. that where different foods would trigger that. Um, mm. but the key is, you know, just to have some, like you mentioned, have some balance. Um, mm. and you know, too many greens don't agree with everybody. Um, yeah, definitely. You, you definitely. Know, um, and the carnivore is definitely the ultimate elimination diet for sure. Mm. Um, but, uh, I'm curious to know, like, what are your thoughts around, um, nuts and dairy and things like that. Um, I know that's, that's sort of a big, you know, in the keto world, a lot of people talk yeah. about that, even in paleo. Um, what are your thoughts around dairy and, and, and nuts in particular? Uh, yeah, the, the, the yummy, if you need the energy, um, but they can be overdone. So you just need to be conscious that you can jam a lot of calories worth of macadamias and, right. uh, you know, I'm asking for my own good because I, I, yeah, yeah, I, I, mean, li I, I do like them. It's almost like my cheap food. Um, <laughs> you know. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll um, same thing. I, I enjoy yogurt and nuts. And, you know, if I'm extremely hungry, like I'd, I'll tend to focus on protein mm. during the day and you come home and like yesterday, I ended up walking for an hour and a half and I was hungry as, and, you know, you go for the, the yogurt and the nuts and even peanut butter or whatever. And, and that's a really oh, great butter. way to get the calories back <laughs> in, but it's, it's, it's so easy to overdo at the same time. So you need to find that balance of, you know, if you're not losing the weight you want to, then um, dialing back the fat because the, the fat is, you know, as much as I heard just eat fat to satiety in keto world for so long, it, you know, it's not satiating when removed from protein and, and nutrients. Right. So um, I, I'm a big morning routine guy and I, I like to ask my guests, you know, what, what, morning what's routine. your, yeah. I, you know, what's your morning routine and, yeah. uh, and how does it work for you? 
I had the dream of um, being in lockdown and working from home for a while and then having uh, some long service leave. And I really enjoyed that. But now I'm back in the office and, you know, I'll, I'll, but I'll wake up quite early. I go to bed quite early, probably about I'm often in bed by seven and, and then oh. definitely asleep by, by eight. But then I wake up really early and just get all my, all my stuff done. But I'll often do heart rate variability recently and some resonance breathing just to try and quiet the mind because there's just so much going on. Uh, so like meditation, then, some form of meditation yeah, when you wake I've, up? I've never, okay. I've never, um, or just breathing work. Yeah. Work just the something. breathing. I've, I've never quite got into the meditation thing. It never quite made worked for me, but just the breathing and watching your breath definitely just helps bring your, your body and mind in, in sync a little bit more and helps to, quiet your thoughts from thinking about everything else you've got to do and, and then i'll get up and um attend to all my my facebook avatar <laughs> persona that i live somehow mm-hmm. internationally through through the internet and uh then i'll often jump in and do a, a quick uh wheel the 531 workout just building strength what kind of workout um, 531 531 yeah that? so uh it's just a, a strength building where it just you know goes through five reps and then down, down to three reps and then mm. you have a, a, a final PR at the end of each four week four week cycle. Um, I think it's Joe Wheeler. Joe Wheeler. Um, okay. That's yeah, Joe Wheeler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a very simple time efficient that um, tends to blow me away and, and I'm feeling it for a few days, which is a good thing. So yeah, I've got a, a home gym that I love and uh, then I'll jump on the bus and uh, listen to podcasts and uh, get to work. And I've been walking about half an hour from the bus to where my new job is. So um, that's been really good just to you know, walk along the river and walking's underrated. And yes. uh, yeah, yeah. So I've been trying to do that more than just blow myself away completely in the gym as much as we love to feel that. But eventually you, you hit a peak and you can't keep going up anymore and your appetite just goes through the roof and you're hungry. So yeah, the, the, the walking just seems to be a nice complement to the strength. I mean, I talk about walking all the time. It's, it's just like a simple hack for health it really mm. is walking mm. after a meal, right? I mean, have you mm. seen this with your wife or with anyone as far as like blood sugars, controlling it yeah. after you eat, you know, going for a walk? I have two dogs now, so I'm, I'm <laughs> You have to walk them. I'm out there plenty. Yeah, I try to, I try, yeah, I try to move. I try to have our eating times right before our walks and it works out nice. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and when I, come home after doing the walking from the bus, you take your blood sugars and it's like, wow, that's really low. And yeah. uh, the walking with your mouth closed and, and through nose breathing is just a nice way of not pushing so hard that you have to dip into your carbohydrate stores and you train your body to, to burn fat more, hmm. which is, you know, what the Tour de France athletes are doing all the time. So breathing um, through your nose as you're walking, not through your mouth. Yeah, so so not pushing yourself so hard that you have to open your mouth to mouth breathe, and, mm. and that sort of you know keeps you in a in a sort of a fat burning zone. Um, if you wanted to get hardcore, you could measure your RQ and your VO two max and your lactate threshold, and, and that's you know um, really fascinating podcast on um, the Peter Atia with um, San Milano who did all this lactate threshold testing on the. Um, guy who just won Tudor, uh, whatever his name was, but um, won the Tour de France. And he just said uh, he's got amazing capacity to just continue to burn fat. But that's where a lot of us could benefit just by, you know, pushing ourselves as much as we can while still 
nose breathing to the point that and that we're still in that fat burning zone more without dipping into the carbohydrates and when you dip into your glucose and they your blood sugars drop you get really hungry and ravenous and want to you know go out and binge so it's sort of a, a nice hack to, yeah. to not push your body too far and, and train it to burn fat i love that hack yeah that's that's a good one so when you're going mm. out for that walk just Put some tape on your mouth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, or 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 the taping your mouth at night is an interesting hack that a lot of people are doing. I did it for a little while, but uh, yeah, just oh, did, oh, yeah. training yourself to breathe through your nose at night. Yeah, and um, no, I like that one. I have to do that on my walks. Yeah. Um, what are your thoughts about um, like um, circadian rhythm and things like that? Um, is that something that you talk about? you know, like with your fasting windows and feet and, and when you're eating, like, what yeah. is your, t- I guess my question would be too, is what is your typical day like as far as fasting and, and eating? Yeah. I'll, I'll, um, I've been trying to delay my first meal till lunch at work. So I'll take, um, we've got this, uh, kangaroo meat over here. That's just basically wow. wild game, but, uh, has to be cold because they're eating all the, all the fields. So it's, it's, cheap and incredibly nutrient dense and incredibly high protein so i'll uh, i'll take some uh eggs or, or kangaroo or something to work and have that when i get hungry about lunchtime and uh yeah so i sort of delay that first meal make sure it's protein focused but mm-hmm. definitely trying to it's hard but uh, you know get out and get some sun early in the day and not eat too much too late which is hard to do for most people and including me and when you come home you, you want to refuel but um yeah not not eating late 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 because most of us are making poor food food choices at 11 or midnight right i always found a good hack was just pick a time <laughs> where you're just gonna stop for, mm. for the mm. day it's just like if you mm. like that's helped me a lot i, I was never a big Definitely. but if it's just if it's six thirty, then there's six thirty, and you just sort of yeah. get into that rhythm where you just like close yeah. the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Now that, that, that's a really smart approach. Yeah, and you, well, you're going to bed pretty early too, so you don't want to eat too close to your bedtime, right? I mean, you're going no, to bed what yeah, seven, that, that, seven, eight yeah, o'clock, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I'm just uh, you know everybody. I just love that morning time when my mind is clear and I, I can be creative. So I sort of crave that. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm big on morning routines just because you can get so much done. You know, you're up mm. earlier than anybody and no, it's, mm. it's, it's a nice quiet, you know, I'm usually up and then out with my dogs on a walk and no, no, no one's out there. It's peaceful. You know, it's a meditative. Yeah. It's great. Um, well, I'm curious. I mean, we've touched on a lot uh, regarding your challenges, your website's awesome with your blog. Yeah, um, thank you. And then, uh, your book, Big Fat Keto Lies. I'll have to check yeah. that one out. Yeah, I'll send you a link here. <laughs> Love I'll your thoughts. I'll definitely check that out. You also have a recipe book, right? Yeah, yeah. We um we basically realized that we can talk about numbers and nutrient density, but we wanted to like show people what it looked like. People and, love uh, recipe yeah. books. Love people that. love it. Yeah. And then it's sort of all like, oh, this is what nutrient density actually looks like. And so we've worked to optimize for, you know, for We've got a meat book and a plant-based book, a maximum mm. nutrient density book. And we liked it so much that we did a high protein to energy recipe book. And so there's a whole range from therapeutic keto, low carb, blood sugar control. So we ended up with 22 books at the moment and we're working on a, a bunch more. So Are yeah, it's sort of got a PDFs or control. actual books. Are these PDFs? Uh, they're, they're, books? they're PDFs with a whole bunch of hyperlinks. So okay. in, in each recipe, you click on the hyperlink and it'll open all the, 
micronutrient details, and then we've got a list of 150 recipes up the back um, to align with that goal. So, yeah, so it'd be hard to make as a, people say, oh, yeah, I like a hard copy book, but it'd be hard to quite make as a, a hard copy yeah. book in shops. But, um, yeah, they've worked really well and people love it. And it's integrated into Nutrient Optimizer. So if you log your food, it'll basically tell you what you should be eating next to continue to optimize your nutrition. Yeah. Well, that, and, and, um, you, you mentioned, um, um, micronutrients. I just wanted to touch, mm. um, do you, like a lot of people think they're hungry, but they're just lacking like potassium, sodium, yeah. things like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, like I, I teach a lot of people to maybe add a little bit of, you know, good quality sea salt to mm. their water. Mm. Um, mm. what are your thoughts about, about getting, uh, um, you know, those micronutrients? Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I, we've done that analysis, satiety analysis of um, everybody who tracks with chronometer and attaches it to nutrient optimizer, uploads the data. So we've got 90,000 days of mm. micronutrient data. So we've done that analysis. And um, yeah, definitely the, the sodium, magnesium, potassium are really big drivers of hunger. And if you're getting enough of that in your diet, you're satiated and tend to eat less calories overall. So it's definitely a low carb diet people crave sodium and are probably you know should salt to taste and and prioritize getting enough sodium um but yeah definitely magnesium potassium and, and basically everything else especially the minerals drive hunger omega-3 um cholesterol seems to have a positive relationship with satiety so if you're getting mm. more um food with cholesterol and omega-3 but then when it comes to um saturated fat sort of has a negative satiety but then it sort of tapers off but then the mono and poly unsaturated fat basically that those foods just tend to drive overeating but that's probably because it's it's all the seed oils that are in the the donuts and cookies and everything that comes in a package these days so yeah definitely limiting those is probably a great hack or, or, or the bottom line is anything that comes in a package with a barcode that says flavor number and color number with calories, then you probably it's, it's engineered to make you overeat it. Right. Yeah. If you can't pronounce the ingredients, probably should <laughs> not bring it home. Right. <laughs> definitely. It, it was made by a scientist to make you want to eat more of it. So yeah, exactly. we've basically tried to reverse engineer that process to say, you know, what do the foods look like that drive satiety with getting nutrient density and who knew nutrition could be about getting more nutrients in the food you eat you know <laughs> yeah right yeah the key is is eating more of the foods that are most nutrient dense mm. um and you know less of the foods that with the polyunsaturated fats and the seed mm. oils and things like that if you really do look at all the labels literally and i, I talk about this a lot there are seed oils uh you know soybean oil canola mm. you know in like I don't even know. 80% yeah. of the things on the shelf. It's I don't incredible. even know the percentage. It's just, yeah. It's well, cause it's cheap and easy. Right. And yeah. yeah, yeah. And it's subsidized, subsidized. So it's just right. this big agriculture squeezes out the, the, the refined sugar, um, starches and seed oil uh, and oil out of all this large agricultural, hmm. um, you know, fueled by fossil fuel fertilizers that is, very unsustainable over the long term and um, degrading to the environment. So yeah, I'm really passionate about regenerative agriculture that that prioritizes growing food that uh, you know restores the environment and restores life, not just animals or plants, but both together. And that works in a really an amazing symbiotic relationship. 
Is there a big push for that in Australia? Is that um, a little? Yeah, there's definitely a movement all over the world, and uh, what Rob Wolf and um, Dinah Rogers are doing with Sacred Cow and, and the book that they mm-hmm. did in the movie, and there's definitely more momentum, and I think hopefully with more awareness of that, more people will go. Yeah, I'm going to vote with my dollars and not just buy the most cost-effective product of big ag, which probably isn't good for me. I'm going to invest in happy, healthy cows and, right. and plants and, you know, where, where everything singing and alive and, you know, that that's likely to produce food that's going to be more nutritious as well. Yeah. And, um, I always, I always ask, uh, this, this one question to all my guests and I'm sure you should probably hit on it already. <laughs> so, uh, what's one tip, um, that for like a middle-aged individual, man or woman, that if they're looking to try to get their body back to what it yep. once was, because I, I see this a lot, even with myself, you know, I just turned 40, but mm. it just gets tougher and tougher to sort mm. of have what you have, you know, age is a tough thing sometimes, it, 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 and, you know, to get your body back is not mm. always that easy. You got to work that much harder, but what would you say would be one tip for that individual? Oh, well, so yeah. many, and I suppose that's my journey and why I've created the whole, whole thing that, you know, has become optimizing nutrition, but uh, right. yeah, thinking about are you really hungry? Do you need to eat? And uh, the blood sugar hack can be really useful to understand that. And then when you do eat, try to prioritize high satiety, um, nutrient dense food to give your body what it needs at that point. So you're not going to be back again, eating more food and yeah, definitely be active in some way, build strength and right. try to walk and enjoy it all. Have fun. I like that. <laughs> That's good. That, that summarizes a lot of what we talked about today. Um, yeah. Well, where Marty, uh, where's the best place for people to find you? I know you have optimizingnutrition.com. Would that be yeah. probably your home yeah, base? Definitely, definitely. Um, yeah, or the data-driven fasting. You can Google that mm. and check it out. We've got a 100-page manual and um, a baseline spreadsheet if people wanted to check that out and dabble in that. If they've got a blood sugar meter, they can check out and find their baseline. Yeah, I love that. Um, well, I appreciate you coming on. We yeah, probably could talk is. for hours. But <laughs> <laughs> I think we've given the, the, the audience enough to chew on for a little while. Um, Excellent. But uh, thanks, Marty. And um, yeah, check them out at optimizingnutrition.com. And the data-driven fasting challenge is pretty sweet. And that's a 30-day challenge, cool. right? Cool. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. There's another one kicking off in 2nd of January. So. Oh, perfect time to do it, right? Just, just in time after we've all, uh, to make everybody's eating over Thanksgiving and Christmas. And, yeah, yeah, that'll be a popular one. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks for coming on, Marty. Thanks so much. Thanks, Brian. Thanks for listening to the Get Lean, Eat Clean podcast. I understand there are millions of other podcasts out there and you've chosen to listen to mine, and I appreciate that. Check out the show notes at briangrin.com for everything that was mentioned in this episode. Feel free to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend or family member that's looking to get their body back to what it once was. Thanks again and have a great day.